I was in second place by quite a long way with, with, um, with about five or six miles to go. Uh, the guy ahead of me looked, looked so strong. He, he had a comfortable lead, I think about a minute and a half at one point. But then uh, the lead, uh, one of the, the lead bikes kept dropping back and was saying that the gap was closing. I caught him at the, about the 20, 22, 23 mile mark, I think, and ended up beating him by about four minutes. So I think uh, he was really, really struggling. I had a chat with him after the race, actually. And uh, it turns out he was a, a Polish international with a PB of two hours 17. He'd run, he'd run two weeks earlier in another marathon in the UK in 2.25, but was so disappointed with that time, unbelievably, that he, he looked at the record for Milton Keynes, which I think the course record is 2.31 and a half, and felt that he could easily achieve that and get you know, decent prize money for the course record and the win. Yeah, he just said he was too tired. I mean, to run a two... A 225 marathon, they expect to run a 231 within two weeks. Is there is some going, but um, yeah, he just he just fell apart in the last few miles. So I caught, I caught him on the right day. Hi, my name is Michelle Lewis. Ten years ago, you'd have been lucky to see me run to the end of the road. These days, running is second nature to me. From marathons to park runs to putting my own running group through their paces. You'll often see me in suitably loud attire, getting ready to pound the pavements. And here's a secret, if I can do it, you can too. There's so many wonderful and inspiring stories in the world of running, and not just running. Some of my favorite tales involve those who take to their wheelchairs, bikes, or simply their own trusty feet in an attempt to get fitter, faster, or just have some fun. In this podcast, I'm going to be in conversation with some of the most inspiring and fascinating of these people. Remember, it's your time, your speed, your way. The only person you need to keep up with is yourself. This week's guest on the Running Tales podcast is one of Northamptonshire's most talented athletes. From five kilometres all the way up to the marathon distance, Michael Hobbs Aldridge is one of the best around on the British Masters circuit. A superb 2019 was topped with victory in the Milton Keynes Marathon and Northampton Half. But as will be revealed, all is not quite as it seems and Michael is now facing the very real possibility of having run his last competitive race. First though, I asked him how his running journey began. I've always had an interest in running, but actually my first sport when I was at school was really, uh, believe it or not, would be rugby. So I played rugby from the age of eight to 11 before then going to Stamford School in Lincolnshire. And uh, athletics was really just something we did over the summer term to sort of fill in the gap when we weren't playing rugby. So um, a lot of my initial running was just because I was very, very fit from playing, uh, playing a lot of rugby and doing other sports. So, um, but I did go to a very good school. I actually went to the same school as you and Thomas, who's the World, European, Commonwealth and British record holder for 400 metres. Uh, he was in the same year as me at school, so my interest in athletics um, sort of started <clears throat> really about the age of 11 upwards. I certainly wasn't the, the, the best runner in the school at the time, um, but, I, but I enjoyed running and um, I enjoyed being fit and healthy and uh, I competed for the school at 800 metres and 1500 metres, I think. What so. did you come in then? What did you come? First, second, third, fifth, last? At, at, at school level, there's actually a bit of a mix. I did actually have quite a lot of competition. Not, not for my year, but actually there was a, a lad at my school who was three years younger than I am, who at the age of 15 would beat me being 18, which um, he, he went on to be a superb athlete and represented England at cross country. But, but 
sort of, I'd hold my own, certainly my own year at school, I was probably the best 850 meter runner. And then just against other schools really in the region, um, I, I'd win quite a lot of races, but certainly not every race. I think sort of 850 meters were probably even a bit, a bit short for me. I, I preferred longer distances, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd win my fair share of races at that age. So, so then school, what happened after school? What was your sport? I mean, I represented the county um, rugby team and I, cap- I captained the county at rugby and played for the East Midlands. Uh, so I was trying to sort of really combine lots of different sports together. Uh, and when I got to university, I actually did a, a sports science degree at Birmingham University. That sort of continued my uh, rugby in the first year. And then um, I realised after the, the, the first year of being at university that I certainly um, physically wasn't, uh, wasn't as big as some of the other players. And, I was getting hurt quite a lot on the rugby pitch playing for the university side. So that, that was really when I, I sort of made a move a little bit more to athletics. But um, it, it, even then, I couldn't, I couldn't get into the first team. And I was just about getting into sort of the back end of the, the second team for cross country. So the standard was very, very good. Uh, but at that stage, I certainly wasn't taking running particularly seriously. I, I trained maybe two, two or three times a week at the most. I didn't realise that, yeah. To be good, you have to train a lot harder than that. <laughs> so then what happened? When did it start getting serious for you? Well, I, I, didn't, really, I didn't really do a lot of athletics, um, even though my first job was actually as a sort of physiologist and advising people on health and lifestyle. Um, I didn't really do a lot of running in my 20s. And, um, and then I moved from London to Northampton. I thought joining a new, a new town and a new place would be a good opportunity to sort of join a, a sports club. And so I looked at running clubs in the air and actually joined Wooten Running Club, um, or Wooten Roadrunners. And when I first joined them, uh, I started running a bit of cross country and uh, a few road runs. But again, sort of in my early 30s, I still wasn't training that hard. Um, I was kind of running based on sort of natural talent, I guess, at that stage. Uh, and I do remember specifically speaking to somebody in Wooten. I asked them what, what training they'd done the, the day before. I think I turned up for a Thursday night session and uh, I just asked, well, what, what sort of training do you do apart from this? And I was absolutely amazed to find out that one of them had run 10 miles the day before and still turned up for training the following day. That, that blew my mind. I didn't think the body would cope with cope. that. Which, which is, so it started to get me sort of thinking about running a bit more seriously. But ultimately, the, what really changed things was, was when, in my mid-30s, 30, 35, 36 years of age, where I felt that my running may start to go downhill because of age, um, getting a bit older and a bit slower. Uh, so I made inquiries to, to try and get some advice from, from, from a coach. And I was put in touch with my now coach, Ian Wilson, who turned out to be the, um, he's the ex-England cross-country coach. Okay. And uh, we met for coffee, um, we had a chat, and he then outlined what training I should be doing. And that's where it really took off. Um, I listened to him. I had a lot of time for that guy, and uh, he 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 ultimately changed the way I train and the way about um, the way I go about sort of preparing for races. And uh, that's when it really started to get some really quick time. So, so like you're at Wooten. Obviously, I know I I spent some time at Wooten. They have seven groups, and like number one group is like the the elite of the club, and then you've got the seven, which is the beginners. I can picture you always being in the number one group. When did it go to like, okay, now I'm going to focus on a distance and make that my distance? 
Well, it's quite, it's quite funny, actually, because the very first time I, I, I went, I turned up to Wooten and uh, they obviously asked what my running background was. I think I probably played it down a little bit because I spent the first two sessions in Group 7. And I, I, was, I, was, I was too polite. Please to tell me you're joking. You was in the beginners group. Only because I just said I didn't do a lot of running and I think they, they were playing it safe uh, to make sure I wasn't out of my depths. And I didn't, I was, uh, as I said, I was a bit, a bit too polite to say that my 10K time was sort of 34, 35 minutes at the time. But, um, but anyway, in terms of answering the question, in terms of 10K, it, it, it just seemed the natural distance. I think there was a lot of races at 10K. Uh, the cross-country race was a sort of five miles, six miles that I'd been used to running. And so it seemed to be the natural sort of distance to fit into. And as I said, there were, there were a lot of um, 10K races available for me to do. Uh, and I think they were much more popular than half marathon. And certainly at that stage, um, the idea of running 13 miles was, was out of the question. I mean, I've... I've I just wasn't used to running anywhere near that. I've never run 10 miles in my life um, when I first started running 10k races. So, yeah, the, the thought of running any further than 10k was not appealing. So, <laughs> so then, how did this lead to the Masters? Well, again, it, it was it was Ian that really put me onto this. Um, in our very first meeting, we, we we met for coffee, and it was a chance to sort of get to know each other and to see whether we could we could work together. And I remember him asking, he asked me what sort of ambitions I had at 35 years of age as to where I wanted to go with my running and, and I kind of said something along the lines of I just want to maintain kind of form I don't want to get slower and, it, and it'd be nice to win the odd, odd race here and there and I, I remember him replying with something along the lines of well if you're not going to be more ambitious than that then I'm not interested because I think he he could see that there was a bit more talent there than I was making use of and so um, yeah so he kind of just changed changed the, my, my perspective on on, on running and um, we decided to work together and that's, that's when the times really started to, 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 to get a lot better and uh, uh, start to enjoy running and competing and, and, and racing and, and, and uh, it kind of led on to this idea of running at the Masters level because I, I have no idea there's this whole world of Masters athletics out there which certainly beyond county level starts at 35 years of age for men and he just said you know you need to get involved in, and, and with a bit of training, you could be right up there uh, with, with, with the best masters athletes. I think it took me about two years to start really getting to the level where I was knocking on the door of, of sort of the British masters um, athletics teams. And yeah, certainly by the age of 37, 38, I was, I was, I was in that kind of the mix of people being selected for the, for the national side. So, Your very first masters race, what was that experience like? Well, I remember taking myself off to France. I competed in the European Masters Championships, um, but you don't have to be selected for that as such. You could, as long as you've as long as you've done the qualifying time, you can just enter yourself and and, and run for Great Britain. Uh, so I did that in France, and I think I didn't, I didn't have a particularly good race. I remember it being very hot. I think I came about 18th or 19th, which which is good, but it, in terms of time on paper, I don't I think that's sort of particularly ran well but that that was quite an early memory of being involved in masters but then i started to compete in a lot more of the the masters championships because you know they although they're held within very often they're held within open races um you can enter the british masters um event if you like and then obviously they work out the, the placings afterwards and my first sort of british competition i think was a cross country and i i, I sort of hadn't realized that i won my age group because i was actually beaten by people in the age group above me so although I won the, the, the British title for 35-year-olds, I think there was a couple of 40-year-olds that were better. But it, that started to get me up sort of a, onto the rung of, of, of being involved in the British athletic scene and um, 
kind of travelling around the country competing in the British Masters event. Obviously, you didn't just stay at 10K. Was it 10K for a couple of years and then you went on to further distance? Because we both know you did take that big step. From memory, they were kind of all, all, all sort of mixed in. Because as I got fitter and my training developed and I started to run further miles in training, then I became a lot more confident at the sort of the half marathon distance. But, but being very fit for half marathon actually enables you to run much quicker for 10K. And in turn, it, it probably has a, a, a bearing on how, how quick you can run a 5K. So my, my range of distances started to, to grow a little bit more. Uh, and I seemed to be, while I was very quick at, at 10K, it seemed to have a knock-on effect for half marathon and, and 5K as well. But with regards to the marathon, I first got involved in the, the idea of running a marathon while I was, while I was at Wootton. And uh, I remember there was a guy called Jeff Mason. I don't know if he listens to his podcast, but he's a, a good friend of mine. Sort of suggested that I should do one, and I got involved in a bit more training. Um, my first marathon was the Abingdon Marathon, but it wasn't my focus event. So I was still at that stage really focused on the sort of the 10K, 5K, and half marathon distances, which I was, I was getting better at all the time. Uh, and then the marathon kind of developed a little bit later on, and then you know I kind of uh, started to get a bit better at that. But I wouldn't say marathon's my my strongest distance. Well, well, we beg to differ on that, and we'll explain why later on. So, you, how many marathons have you done now? I think it's seven. So I haven't done that many, but when I have trained for them, it's been a, a long process in terms of preparing myself for those. So, and, and, and I think the marathon's such a unique distance because it, things can go wrong in a marathon much more than they can in any other distance lower than that. So, uh, if you have a bad day at ten k, it's not. It, 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 your time's not that different to what you could normally expect to achieve but but marathon is um yeah the, the wheels can fall off very suddenly and uh, that kind of makes it more exciting so give people an idea of your times so 5k you're known at northampton park run as being as someone always in the top two what's your fastest park run i ran uh, i was in my 40s when i ran 15 minutes 33 uh for the park run at northampton and last year I ran 15.40 at North Alla Fields down in London. So yeah, at my best I've been sort of around 15.30, 15.35 mark. I, I, I definitely surprised myself last year. I took part in the um, Beat the Sunset 5K over near yes. Kettering area. Really, really, you know, good, good, good field of, of strong county level athletes. And I think the, the guy that won it was um, a junior international triathlete. I've never raced against him before, but the... The top 10 was certainly going to be a challenge, but I ran 15.22 last year, so as a 45-year-old uh, athlete, yeah, 15.22, which was, uh, yeah, a surprise, but I was in very good form following marathon training and half-marathon training. And, and what's, what's your, would you say, with age, I'll go to, on to your other times in a minute, do you feel you've got stronger or do you feel you've maintained? Because let's be honest, 15 minutes for 5K, you, you know, you must have had more than porridge in the morning. I, I think what, what's been interesting is having met my coach, I worked out a formula that works for me. It seems to, the type of training that I do, my body seems to respond to it. So it, it wouldn't, it, it might not necessarily be the best training for everybody, but I'm always, always, always willing to, to sort of learn um, and sort of tweak my training. So I think what's been interesting is as I'm thinking I'm getting slower as I'm getting older, I've become a lot smarter in the way I approach training. Um, I've probably tried to find other ways of becoming quicker. So things like just keeping an eye on the diet, the way I recover, 
uh, getting plenty of rest, knowing my body a lot more. And so over the last sort of certainly five or six years, there's been this kind of gradual tweaking of things in training that just seem to have worked. And um, as a result, I have, I have got quicker and quicker, which is great. Um, I don't feel like I'm 45, 46 years of age. I, I keep well and I train hard. And it, I think it's that constant willingness to learn um, all the time that's, that's, that's made me quicker. Um, I'm not slowing down yet. No, and what's let's go through the other times. So, 10k, what's your fastest ever? And then now, what average? So, I won the British Masters title at 10k um, in my early 40s, and I ran 31 minutes 17, um, which is an average of five minutes and two seconds per mile. I just did a 5k uh, in that today, just let it putting it out there. So, okay. So, um, <laughs> That, that was a great race, actually. I think of all my of all my races at British Masters and the type of British Masters titles that I've won, that was the day when everybody was there in the same race, and to and to to beat them on that day, um, yeah, that was a, that was a really special day, and to run such a good time as well. So, um, thirty one seventeen for ten k, but I ran I won the Silverstone ten k last year. Great race against Dom Jones. It was it was really 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 quick last mile. But that was just outside 32 minutes, but I'm a bit suspicious the course may have been slightly long, but, but the official time I think was 32 minutes 10. That was last year. Half marathon, I've run 70 minutes um, at Peterborough. But last year again, so just the times, uh, I won the Northampton half marathon in seven, just outside 71 minutes. And that's quite a, quite a hilly course because you've got to go up the big steep climbing um, um, I can't remember, uh, near, near Watson. Around Brackmills. Brack the mile the seven, the, the, we called the beast. Yes. Yeah. So to run, yeah, 71 minutes on that course and, and, and to not really have um, no disrespect to the, the other runners because I think one or two were preparing for marathons and other things. But um, I was out on my own right from the first mile. So it became a bit of a time trial. So to run effectively on my own for the entire race and run 70, just outside 71 minutes on that course. Yeah, I, I really knew I was in, in good shape that day. And then uh, marathon, uh, marathon, oh, uh, 10K, I ran 50, 52 minutes 24, which I think was the second quickest time in Great Britain age, age-wise for that year. And marathon, uh, the Edinburgh Marathon was my, my quickest marathon again in my 40s, around two hours and 30, and, and a few seconds, which I'm really annoyed about. <laughs> under two Every, hours second Every second counts. Every second counts. But um, as a comparison, uh, last last year, so again in in the same year, around the PB for the five k, around two two hours thirty two uh, and, and a bit again, two hours thirty two and a bit at uh, the Milton Keynes. So I won the Milton Keynes Marathon last year. And was that a big lead, the Milton Keynes Marathon, or was you chased? No, no, not at all. I was in second place by quite a long way with with um, with about five or six miles to go. Uh, the guy ahead of me looked, looked so strong and um, he, he had a comfortable lead, I think about a minute and a half at one point. But then uh, the lead, uh, one of the, the lead bikes kept dropping back and was saying that the gap was closing. And uh, I caught him I caught him at the, about the 20, 22, 23 mile mark, I think, and ended up beating him by about four minutes. So I think uh, he was really, really struggling. But it was I had a chat with him after the race, actually. Uh, so I, yeah, I only took the lead in the last, uh, last few miles. And uh, it turns out he was a, a Polish international with a PB of two hours 17. Wow. And he'd run, 
He'd run two weeks earlier in another marathon in the UK in 2.25, but was so disappointed with that time, unbelievably, um, that he, he looked at the record for Milton Keynes, which I think the course record is 2.31 and a half, and felt that he could easily achieve that and get you know, decent prize money for the course record and the win. And um, yeah, he just said he was too tired. I mean, to run a two a two twenty five marathon, they expect to run a two thirty one within two weeks. Is there uh, is some going? But um, yeah, he just he just fell apart in the last few miles. So I caught I caught him on the right day. <laughs> Obviously, two thousand and nineteen was a great year for you, but also <laughs> that it wasn't. For other reasons are you willing to share why you have been so quiet since it would be northampton half wouldn't it that would have been your last race northampton half was my last competitive race in september the end of september in 2019 so why haven't we seen you at northampton park run other than covid and other races why you went out on a high so to speak at the moment yeah basically um I'm currently under observation and, and sort of investigation for a, a very abnormal heart rhythm, which has stopped me from competing at the moment. The way this came about was, I'm just trying to think of the dates here. So just, just before my very good year last year. So this we're looking at January 2019, where I was kind of in, in marathon training. But uh, unfortunately, my, my father passed away in, in January 2019. And uh, there'd been a long period of quite a heavy stress and anxiety and worry. And um, I was just at work. Uh, uh, and I remember being at work and just feeling a bit odd, a bit unusual, like, a, like an anxiety feeling. And um, almost like a, yeah, almost like wanting to catch my breath a little bit. And I put it down to, to obviously the stress and, and, and the worry of my, my dad. I thought, well, the, the sensible thing to do is just have a quick checkup with the doctors and, 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 and we'll get it out of the way and, and we'll clear it up. And um, by the time I'd gone to see the doctors, which normally is a few days later, I felt absolutely fine. And I distinctively, distinctively remember uh, waiting for the nurse to come and, and chat to me and feeling like I was wasting, wasting their time and I felt fine and I've never had these, these problems before. And interestingly, it hasn't happened since, actually. But they decided to do a, a resting ECG amongst other things and blood pressure was fine, weight's fine, et cetera, et cetera. But they came back after about 15 minutes with a, a doctor and a nurse with a very worrying uh, look on their face and saying, your, your, your resting heart rate is just really abnormal and we're, and we're very worried about it. So stop doing what you're doing. Stop running. We need to get this investigated. And obviously, I was trying to explain to them that I'm a, a very fit, healthy runner and do a lot of miles in training. Uh, but they said, no, we, we, we need to have a look at this. And I, I, even at the time, I remember thinking, this is just because I'm a a fit athlete and uh, you do hear stories about athletes having slightly odd heart rhythms uh, but anyway I, I was then posted off to Northampton Hospital had lots of checks and they put me on a treadmill and even then they said oh well your, your heart rate goes back to normality after running so you're actually better off running than you are at rest which is weird but they didn't seem overly concerned but suggested that I should have further investigations done which ended up uh, with me going to uh, Oxford and uh, a team of about 10 cardiologists all, all discussing my situation and they came to the conclusion that, um, that there is a, a potential risk for uh, cardiac myopathy, early heart disease, um, that I should be genetically tested. There was a, 
a strange condition where they said I might have that, that could actually really impact on my health and that I shouldn't, I shouldn't run and that the, the best advice would be to uh, detrain uh, to see whether my heart rate goes or heart rhythm goes back to normal, which obviously is not what you want to hear. As a, 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 no. It was obviously um, at this stage now I was, I was beginning to, to, to worry. But odd, oddly, that diagnosis came in November and I'd been doing all these races with no symptoms, no feelings of, you know, problems with the heart at all. So I'd spent an entire season running all these quick times for their diagnosis then to be, we're worried you should be trained. But obviously you have to listen to the experts. So um, that's what I did. But they also suggested that I might be able to get a second opinion from a doctor, a cardiologist in London who deals with uh, professional footballers and um, real top class world, world level athletes. And I had the, the privilege of, of speaking to the cardiologist um, over the phone. Uh, and he said, well, there's definitely something not quite right with your resting heart rhythm. However, I don't think uh, the advice should be that you should completely stop altogether. So I'm now in a bit of a limbo, okay to carry on training at a light level, but until further analysis is done, then, uh, then I can't um, push myself to the, to the limits like I have been doing until they know a little bit more about what's, what's going on with, with the heart rhythm. So I've actually had a consultation this morning on the way down, um, I'm now in Newquay, um, on the way down in the car, um, I spoke to another consultant in Oxford who has given me the good news that my genetic testing is clear. Yay! Uh, which, which, which is good news, but it's, it's slightly odd because what in this kind of field of genetic kind of research, it, it's all quite new. So while I don't have one of the common gene problems that would be linked to this kind of early heart rhythm problems and heart disease, um, they can't be sure that I don't have one of the other ones that they don't know about. Yet. Oh, okay. So it, it's kind of um, she's quite honest about it, and she said, "Look, you know, you do, you do, you do watch um, marathons on TV, and you do occasionally see people who just collapse while running." And she didn't mince her words about it. So um, she said, "We we need to be sure, and we're not ready to clear you from our own investigations just yet." So. It's a case of I can, I can run, I can train, uh, but I can't push myself. And so that's where I'm in this little bit of a period at the moment where I may well be having to come to a decision about not competing again, which is, which is uh, hard to take. But I've also had a great 10 or 11 years of competing at a, a good level. So that's where we're at at the moment. Um, I've got another consultation in January, uh, January 2021 now, so, uh, where they might be able to tell me something new. But yeah, that's that's kind of how things are at the moment. Whoa. Don't this is the first time that like I know for myself that you hear something that's especially with a runner like you at your level, that in some ways, thankfully, you went and got tested and this happened before you did a race and then something happened really serious. As you know, we know, you know, it has happened at Morton Keene where a guy, you know, just yeah. suddenly collapsed and in this case you got seen when you started getting the signs early on so absolutely and 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 I'm, I'm not sort of looking at this from a point of view of uh, a really negative point of view because I think um, I'd rather know than not know uh, yes. first of all and and, it, and it's very rare so you know I appreciate that a lot of people may be listening to this or, or, or um, seeing it and uh uh, maybe have some concerns but actually you know this is this is very very rare and I, I think it just may be that 
I've either been lucky that nothing's happened so far, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's better for me to know about it rather than to sort of be in the dark about it. So it's incredibly rare for athletes to have this. Yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed all the competing that I've, I've done and it will be hard to think about not competing again, but um, it's not a closed door just yet. So. so have you thought of looking at other sports? You know, and have you been doing other sports? Obviously, running is quite heavy. Maybe yoga, Pilates, you know, a bit of stretching, you know. On a serious note, you're someone that's kept fit from 11 years of age, really, and before that, because you'd be running around playgrounds and whatever, to now suddenly be told this, you can't obviously stop. I I think um, the fact that they've told me that I I can train is... It's, it's good news in the sense that I would probably maintain some degree of fitness and uh, it just I won't be at, at, at sort of that peak level that I've been used to. Um, but it, it does change my view on, on whether or not I would enter races from a completely different perspective now. It's interesting listening to some of your other podcasts about what motivates people to, to run and obviously a lot of people do it for a social element, which is great. Um, a lot of people do it to see how far they can push themselves. But for me, it's always been, you know, how, how quick can I be? And, uh, you know, PBs has always been, you know, I've always been looking at ways of getting better all the time. So I think the idea of not being able to do that just changes the way I would look at running. And uh, I think I'd still probably run for fitness purposes, but I'm not sure I would be wanting to enter a race knowing that I can't compete where I have been. You know at Northampton Park Run, when it starts up, I'm going to get you as tail walker. No excuses. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. And I think, you know, I've sort of started to think about things differently, whether or not I'd be able to, you know, pace people for races and that sort of thing, which would be something that would be sort of giving back a little bit. So rather than just focusing on myself, it would be a nice way of helping other people to sort of achieve their, their goals or whatever distance they want to. So. What about coaching? You said about pacing, like, what about proper coaching because you've got all this experience which got you personally to to actually win races so obviously there's something that you've been taught in the past all the knowledge you've built that you could share onto other people I know you say it doesn't work with everyone but some of what you've learned might help well I, I, I do give out a lot of advice um, not not in a sort of a formal capacity as a coach I suppose but if, if anybody asks um, about any element of training or they want to ask about how fast they should be running in training, then I've, I've always been um, willing to help people with that. So I think the idea of, of coaching uh, does appeal. Uh, and I think, uh, as I said, I, I do have a lot of knowledge based on the last you know, the years that I've been competing in terms of training methodologies and, and, and what works best and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I do kind of in a kind of roundabout way I do I do coach a few people and I know that you've spoken to Peter Carrington on these podcasts before and um, we, we've worked quite well together over the last few years and uh, I've certainly helped him out with his running uh, so I'm more than happy to sort of go down that line and uh, consider that as a, as a, a kind of a way of staying involved in athletics and uh, passing on a, a lot of the information but it's, it's not something I considered while I was competing uh, I think uh, it was important to focus on, on, on what I was doing myself rather than uh, just you know, detracting away from what I was doing in, in, in racing. But uh, now that I know I'm probably not going to be racing, I think it's probably a, a good way forward for me to sort of keep interested. 
Yeah, definitely. Because on a previous podcast, you would have heard Chris Sam, who's um, aiming for the Masters 800. Uh, he's a local lad that could definitely do with your help. Well, I think I think Chris looks after himself really, really well. I mean, I, I, I admire everything Chris does and the, the fact that he does all these different races and he's got a huge range of ability. Then, and what he's done with uh, partners' job and running is just incredible. So, you know, I'm always willing to, um, to, to help people out and, and maybe think about training differently. And uh, I think he could do really well at Masters Athletics because he's still got that, that sort of raw speed that you need for the shorter distances. <laughs> so what, obviously, you know, you're at the moment, you've just taken in everything that's happened with, you know, you know health-wise and whatever. What would you like going forward to happen? In terms of running? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned about coaching and um, I, I, I've been involved quite a lot with sort of the, uh, the young, younger age group of rugby in Northampton on the track. So, um, yeah, it's really nice to get the, the youngsters involved. I know that Wharton don't have a, a track um, team as such, predominantly road running, cross country and triathlon now. So, yeah, in terms of the youngsters, it's, it's really good to sort of encourage them. And they have a lot of... Uh, a lot of junior athletes there that, that would be nice to be able to help out and pass on, you know, sort of my, my, my experiences, I suppose. But then also to, to sort of get back to, to Wootton, I think I'd, I'd like to get a lot more involved with them because they've, they've given me a lot of, in terms of supporting me as an athlete through, throughout the last few years, which is, which is great. And they're really just a really good sociable bunch as well. So um, it would be nice to sort of go down give the coaching back. line. Uh, absolutely. And, in terms of where I am with my own training, I think um, until I definitively get told that it would be unsafe to compete, then I would still have it in mind that I, I might still want to. I still believe I can get quicker at marathon. I think it's a distance that you learn to become better at with with uh, the body develops a little bit. I hope your consultant never listens to this. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I think I think with a marathon, your heart not quite as high as if you're running a 5k just it just lasts for longer so um maybe i'll just have to um run marathons rather than 5k's but uh i i haven't sort of lost that kind of hope that i can still compete and so i think i think from, from this point onwards I'm, I'm i mean even at the moment i'm training uh, five days a week and for the last few weeks i've been running about 40 miles a week and training quite happily and i feel pretty fit i'm, I'm quite happy running what feels quite an easy pace it, it's still quite quick so I haven't really lost too much fitness so I'm, I'm hoping to hang on to that until as I, as I said I get I get told once and for that, that competing is no longer an option. What is your treat after these races a beer? Do you know what I, I, I dream about beer before I compete it's weird because I, I tend not when I'm in the kind of the, the real mix of hard training it's not it's not that I Kind of, I'm not worried about the calories because I, I, I'm very lean and I, I, I tend to burn most of it off. But I just can't, I can't recover in time. So if I start having too much to drink, then I don't sleep well, and it means I can't train the next day, and I feel a bit horrible, really. But I do like a beer after a race, so I have to say. But I, I eat pretty well. I eat healthily. Uh, I eat fresh you know, every day. I don't eat any takeaways, that sort of thing. But I do, I do like beer and I do like wine. So you know, it's just everything in moderation, really. But Dark chocolate is a, is a weakness for me. I love dark chocolate. So you're not, you're like what I class as a naked runner in the sense that you don't carry anything, do you? Because you're too damn quick to even like consume anything as you're running along. Or is that me not seeing the gels tucked in a pocket or? <laughs> uh, well, from a, from a physiological point of view, any, anything at, at, the, at sort of the pace as I'm running, anything beyond about an hour and a half, 
then you've really got to start thinking about um, taking on board some fuel um, during a race. So obviously with, with a half marathon time of, of sort of 71 minutes, 72 minutes, um, it, it's not really necessary as long as I'm eating well leading up to the race and, and on the morning of a race, then I don't need to worry about it too much. But uh, for the marathon, certainly that, that's a whole different science. Uh, and if, if I didn't take gels uh, during the race, then I'd be really struggling in the last few miles. Um, and I, fa- I found out the hard way, actually. I, it, my very first marathon, I didn't really do the research. I, to be honest, I probably didn't train like a proper marathon runner should train. I was kind of getting by on a few long runs, but the whole kind of pattern of training was, was very different to the way I'd approach a marathon now. And I, I remember it's the Abingdon Marathon and uh, my, fir- my first ever marathon. Um, I was very, you know, new, new to the event and I didn't take any gels during the race. And I remember getting to about 16, 17 miles and I was with the leader and we were bouncing along quite happily at about two hours, 34, 35. And I felt fine. I felt so relaxed. Got to 20 miles. I'm thinking, feel great. Uh, 22 miles, and this is where people had warned me about. I remember some of my own teammates on the watching the race, not not competing, were trying to hand me out gels and stuff. And I'll just now I'm fine. Whatever, just water's fine. Yeah. Well, I got I got to about 22 and a half miles, and within the space of it happened so quickly. Uh, in the space of no more than about half a mile, I went from feeling fine to pretty much blacking out. Yeah. Um, and it was so quick. And I remember um, starting to have tunnel vision and, and seeing in black and white. And I, I, I almost passed out while running, which is really odd. Yeah. Um, and I just had to stop. Um, so I basically stopped at about 24th mile. And I walked a bit, but I see I was, as you can probably sometimes see runners on the screen, kind of zigzagging up the road a little bit. Um, I was pretty much like that until I was kind of getting some jelly babies inside me from someone standing by the side of the road. Uh, it was an official feed station, so I trusted what they were giving me was, was all right. And it just about gave me enough energy. But the, the, the marathon finishes, and you come onto the corner of an athletics track, and it's three quarters of a lap by the time you join the track, and it's literally three quarters of the, 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 the track to, um, to get to the finish line. I, I stopped four times on that three quarters of a lap. And having crossed the line, I then blacked out and I ended up waking up in St. John's Ambulance. So, so I went from two hours 35 to two hours 40. So I lost five minutes in the last about two and a half miles. Wow. Which was a, a very rapid decline in pace, as you can imagine. But it never happened again. Why did you I carry learned, jelly babies? <laughs> I, 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 I learned to fuel properly. So I think my, my second marathon was, was Leicester. And I came, I came second at Leicester with a much quicker time. And I, I learned how to become better at winning the marathon, I think. And it just shows you that, yeah, fueling is incredibly important for that, that type of distance. Wow. So what, what advice would you give to people that are thinking of starting to run or increase their level? Um, I, think, I think first and foremost, it's a bit, a bit of a cliche, but, but enjoy what you're doing. And the reason why I say that very specifically is Round about, round about the time I started to get really involved in, in running, I didn't necessarily enjoy racing, which sounds odd. And I'd get very uptight and wound up and stressed. And, and I remember when, when I started um, 
dating my now wife Lou, she 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 asked me a very simple question as to what what why do you do it? Why why do you put yourself through this and not enjoy it? And it changed the way I looked at running. So I started to enjoy running a lot more and, and I don't know if it's a coincidence, but I, I got a lot quicker because I was enjoying running and I enjoyed training and I look forward to racing. So I think probably first and foremost is enjoy what you're doing and never see running as a as a chore. So the second bit of advice is is whatever level you're at is just develop your training gradually obviously there's lots of different components to a training program frequency intensity duration and if you, if you picture that triangle of training so frequency intensity and duration is as you're developing a training program that suits you is never changed more than one of those components at a time so if you run three days a week you either increase the number of days you run a week but don't run faster or necessarily longer so four runs of a short distance is as good as three runs, three runs at a longer distance. But once you've established your distance, keep the distance the same, then, then possibly increase your intensity, but never change more than one of those factors. Um, otherwise you're prone to injury. And that, that, that's certainly good advice. And I, I remember with my own training, as I always look at the long, long term plan, I'm very good at preparing from a long way out for races. Um, so that it allows me to build my training very, very, very gradually. That I think has helped me avoid injury, and it's also allowed me to to, to run for for a longer period of time at a, a good level. So that'd be a good advice. What a story! It just goes to show how close the highs and lows can be in running. Let's hope Michael gets the answers he needs to get out there competitive again. If not, it sounds as if someone is going to get themselves an exceptional coach. It just remains for me to say thank you for joining me on the Running Tales podcast. If you can leave a rating or review, or just let all your friends and family know about it, that would be amazing. We'll have another inspirational running tale next week. So see you then.